Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside good friend and host of the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia, who had the unfortunate job of working during the game two against Brooklyn. The Bucks are down 2 0. Uh, today's episode, live on the Locker Room app, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Justin, I, I don't know whether you caught yesterday's episode at all, but Mamadi Diakite, Michelob Ultra Player of the Week this week, <laughs> you think that selection? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, by you know process why. of elimination, well, I know why, but uh, of yeah. process, by, by process of elimination too, I'm fine with it. I'm more than fine with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. And also, we do have to bring to everyone's attention that's listening to this, whether you are in the chat room live right now or you're listening via your usual podcast feed, uh, you got, it looked like a delivery in the mail yesterday, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, man, I was so excited to get that shirt. I, I actually got it um, right before so I left. First of all. So uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt that's green. And it says, uh, I think it says "We Dogs." So basically, what PJ Tucker said after what was that game two against the Heat or game one? Yeah, um, I got the package just before I left to go to the arena and figured, yeah, I think that's what it is. And uh, as soon as I got home and opened it up, sure enough, that's what it was. And I couldn't decide, you know, is this a cruel joke that I get this today, or is this a sign that uh, somehow the improbable is going to happen and this team is going to win four straight against the Nets? Yeah, Justin Wills jumps in the chat and says he just got the same shirt in the mail. He doesn't even know who he wants to put it on now. And let me let me say this. Let me say this. You know, PJ, I respect it. Uh, I have loved the attitude since he's come in. I thought that he has added some toughness. But they're all barking no bite right now. You can't say we're dogs and take that on as your team's mentality and then get swept. So let's let's just say that the dogs better show up for the game three tomorrow because it's been anything but uh, there hasn't even been any fight so far, particularly in that game too. You were working. It must have been, and I know you weren't in the arena, so I guess in some respects it might have been the same to, to many of the fans that were watching on TV. But you, you talk about deflating ways to start the game, and it wasn't even the scoreboard. To me, it was the way that the Bucks played this game. And I, I've, I've actually been kind of, you know, feeling better about the fact that as I've seen Bucks fans process what happened, it feels like the immediate reaction is, well, it's all Mike Budenholzer. And then I think as people have sat back, they've realized and said, okay, everything went so bad across the board for this team that I don't think you can really blame one individual. And in fact, I've even seen almost for the first time ever some criticism for Giannis. And when I went back and watched this first quarter, that was probably the most disappointing thing for me. I mean, when you looked at game one, the reason why you felt like you should have some optimism was Giannis was 16 for 24. Brooklyn didn't show any way of slowing him down. And in game two, to put it quite simply, 
Brooklyn still didn't slow him down. Giannis just didn't even attempt, didn't even try to make life difficult for the Brooklyn defense, and that was the really disappointing thing for me. So um, the first point you made, too, I I had basically said the, the exact same thing on our, our post-game show that we do uh, after the network post-game with myself and Greg Matzik and that, you know, <laughs> the whole uh, calling yourself dogs thing, you can't do that. Not only if you get swept, but you, you're losing by 50. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, so it's, it was a sour start to the evening. But, yeah, it, we need to be careful because if we say, look, it was more than Bud, we're all of a sudden we're protecting Bud. But there was a lot, to your point, that were they put in a spot to succeed? I don't think so. But yeah, I agree. there was nobody – that you know the the PJ Tucker line of we're dogs nobody played like that that for the duration of this two game series now you can't really point to anyone that's played well I mean I think you the strongest case you could make would have been in game one for Brooke Lopez was okay Chris had that stretch where he missed his first eight and then he hit three in a row and and still finished with a subpar night but considering he missed the first eight the numbers look much better but nobody really played well on this team for two games now. And it's, you know, last night was just – so the weird part about last night was um, the Bucks, as, as you know, we do the games, all the games from inside the arena. And the Bucks were doing an event for prospective season ticket holders, and they did the same <laughs> thing for game four. Where you were, well, it was great for game four where <laughs> you got to see the Bucks close out the series with the Heat and you could sit in the arena and watch the game on the scoreboard. They put the TNT broadcast on there. They did the same thing for yesterday's game. And there was – I saw two groups of potential buyers that just said, screw it, I'm, I'm staying here and we're just going to ride it out. And it just the amount of sadness that you could see from these three people sitting directly in front of me watching the game with their arms crossed the whole time. I mean, I felt their pain, and there was nothing to, to, to cling to from yesterday's game. That it, The most shocking part of it was just how bad they looked across the board. Yeah, uh, Bucks down by 49 points. Um, is there any chance you want to spend thousands of dollars watching this team next year? Can we interest you in that? Is that something you want to do right now? Yeah, sure. Here's my credit card. Let's go. Justin Sion brings up a pretty good point in the chat here because when I when I reference Mike Budenholzer again, I always feel like I have to be careful when I say something that isn't fully slanderous of him because it does come across that you're defending him. The point you made, Justin, about the fact that were they put in a position to succeed? No, I don't think so. I thought it was it was it was a really bad night and it has been a bad series so far from a coaching perspective. Uh, Justin Sion says, unfortunately, any complaint fans had all season are all valid at the same time. I kind of disagree with that because the difference between the way that I look at things and I think the way that a lot of lot of lot of fans look at things, and particularly in this situation in regards to Bud, has been that it didn't really matter what happened during the regular season, but the the decision was already going to be made that he sucks and he needed to get fired. Whereas I don't really look at it like that. I look at it on a on a night to night basis. I look at what we wanted to see from Bud during the regular season this year. I think he ticked those boxes. He certainly ticked the boxes in the first series against Miami, where I think we all sat back and said, he just coached our coach, Derek Spolstra. Yeah. Now, certainly the Bucks out-talented the Miami Heat, and I think ultimately that's the biggest story rather than Bud out-coaching Spolstra. But I, I think that we've all done a pretty good job on this show, I would like to think across the board, of saying that, 
it doesn't really matter. Yes, you get a tick for the regular season, but it doesn't really matter if you get a tick for the regular season because the Bucks have been a dominant regular season in the past anyway. Your job is going to be decided ultimately, we feel like, by what you do in the postseason. And again, I think it does come back to talent and top-end talent. And you see the way that Kyrie Irving's playing and the way that Kevin Durant is playing compared to the Bucks players. So again, I don't think it's 100% on Budenholzer, but you have to put the team in a position to succeed. And if they do look shook and if they do look completely rattled like they did in that game yesterday where they just looked like... You know, you know, deer in the headlights, to, to be clear, uh, then then you have to be able to settle them down and you have to be able to get some things working. There was a number of stats out there. They didn't take a shot at the rim in the first quarter. Uh, they There was a, another stat I saw on Twitter that I can't remember the account, but it was about the fact that there was no ball movement at all. There was one pass uh, and... And that kind of stuff can't happen. You have to be able to call a timeout, whatever it is, and say, okay, look, we're losing. That's fine. The crowd's going crazy. We haven't been in this type of environment for a long time. But now settle down and run some offense. And it never did. It just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. Yeah, and um, I know Nate Duncan made the point quite a bit last night and then this morning on the pod that he did with Danny LaRue. But I I just don't get trying to – beat the Nets at their own game that the Bucks played the ISO ball and the Nets have the two best ISO players in the league right now, which I think was panic. Right. Right. And I just, you know, all the, and I saw a, a few of the comments here as well. Uh, the one saying, I think uh, Bud getting the year is the correct choice. And I don't mm-hmm. think any of us would dispute that, that for a number of reasons, I mean, number one, do you really want to change and put in a new coach when you can't practice during that season? And uh, just how weird that season is, you kind of you kind of had to go through this year and see what happens in the postseason. And I think what makes this all the more deflating through two games, it can still change, sure. But what makes it all the more deflating is what we talked about through the regular season and just tried to preach patience in that they're tinkering with some things and they're trying this out for the playoffs. And then you see how that first round series went and your point's a good one that a lot of their success probably had to do with the fact that they were a much more talented team than the Miami heat, but still you saw all those things that we asked for start to happen in that series. So you started to build up that confidence and say, okay, things are going to be different this year. And then all of a sudden it just reverted back to what we've seen in the previous two playoffs. And I don't know if that was part of the strategy of, hey, maybe Brooklyn thinks we're going to do this, so let's do this instead. But as, uh, who was it, Blake Griffin pointed out too, that they didn't switch when we played them during the regular season. So, you know, going into game two, there was the talk too of, well, maybe the game plan was changed during that game because you were planning for James Harden and now you didn't have him, which – I mean, I think we both agree that's kind of bull, that if James Harden's gone, your game plan is, hey, now we only have to worry about two of these guys. That changes things for the better for you. So I just – look, it's entirely possible that the Brooklyn Nets are going to win this series in four or five, and they're going to do the same thing in the conference finals, and they're going to do the same thing in the NBA finals, and that we point back to – Uh, that and say, man, how did any of us not realize this team was just going to steamroll to the NBA championship? That's entirely possible, but it just feels like you didn't even give yourself a chance so far in this series. All right. We've got a couple more comments in the chat here. And uh, when we come back, make sure if you want to ask a question, hit speaker request, and you'll be able to jump on and ask us a question as well, rather than just be in the chat, if you've got something to say. But I want to talk about Credit Karma now. Credit Karma 
has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more with a credit, credit karma money spend account. You can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There is no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawal fee withdrawals. I told you I was going to struggle with this from a network of over 50,000 ATMs when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start a winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. And now to something I feel much more comfortable reading for as something that's basically off the top of my head. Rock Auto, the family business that's been serving uh, auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is great. It's easy to navigate. You can look through. You can find absolutely anything you want on there. Uh, easy you know frank described the bucks performance yesterday as a car breaking down in all areas maybe you need a new steering wheel because it's gone whiff out the window you can do that at rockauto.com and best of all the prices are the same for me as they would be for the professionals just go to rockauto.com right locked on in there how did you hear about us box today now we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com Well, the the point that uh, Frank made, I would disagree. And I would say it was a car dealer pulling a bait and switch where you were on the phone with the sales rep and you said, this is the car I want. And you get to the lot and it's, yeah, actually, I just sold that. But there's this model that's a little worse. I can put you in this for the same price. That's what yesterday felt like. Yeah, fair call. The Bucks looked like a bit of a lemon yesterday out on the court. But today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Annual Source says this season would have been a weird position for a new coach anyway. I think that's right. I mean, there's yeah. there's been a lot of uh, you know, weird facets to this season. We've said it how long this regular season has felt throughout. And again, I'm not ready to talk about the post-mortem of this season just yet because we are only two games into this series. And as I said before we started recording, if Milwaukee do manage to win game three at Five Forum, I can tell you that a lot of people are going to talk themselves into the Bucks winning game four and heading back to Brooklyn with the series tied. So I know there's been a lot of stories out there and talking about the postseason and this is a disaster. We're only two games in, so I'm not going there just yet. But I do think that that's a decent point that Anil Saul makes. And Justin said it would have been complete meltdown mode right now if, just, if Giannis and Drew were not extended. And that's something uh, I've discussed through the regular season. I don't even want to consider how, how bad that would have been if those two guys hadn't have extended. So, you know, it's not complete disaster from a franchise point of view right now. I think that you are looking with this Brooklyn team firing the way that they're firing and shooting the ball the way that they're shooting, it does feel, as you pointed to, Justin, like a juggernaut. And is anyone going to stop this team or are they just going to roll through? It, it feels like right now when the, the tsunami is all over you, it, it feels like that could be the case with this team. But for Milwaukee, 
I, I think the one of the more disappointing things, and again, this can come back to coaching, this can come back to decisions on the court, has been the lack of ability to take advantage of adjustments, uh, of mismatches. Now, this was something that we praised in the series against Miami, even after game one, 72 points in the paint in game one. Giannis and Brooks shot an incredibly high percentage. Uh, it was something like 24 for 35 from the field combined. It was basically all in the paint. They were getting to their spots, and you said, okay, I think the Bucs can maximize this even more. It didn't happen at all. I thought that Giannis was passive. I already spoke about that. But this is where it comes back to the conversation I had about Brook Lopez yesterday. And I wanted to clear this up a little bit because I did feel like it probably came across like I'm flip-flopping because before game two, I said, play Brook more. After game, uh, after game two, I'm saying, I don't know if you can play Brook. But the yeah. reason for that is because coming into the series, the reason why I thought Brook Lopez was such a huge factor is because I thought that they were going to take advantage of him. So if you're not going to take advantage of him and you're going to let Brooklyn take their advantage on the other end when you were playing big and they're playing small, then what's the point? The point of having these two big guys out there is that you should be able to manipulate the matchups and use the size advantage to get on top offensively on an offense that can't do anything right now, and they're not doing it. So that's where it's like, okay, well, you're just going to leave him out there and say stand on the three-point line? I think part of it has been, as I've mentioned, I think that it was just complete panic from the Bucks yesterday. And it's a question that we've asked. You can have all the the you know, the changes that you've made to the schemes on both ends of the floor, you can be prepared as you want. But what are you going to do when you're under the extreme pressure of a playoff situation? Are you just going to default back to old habits? I think we've seen a little bit of that. Yeah, it's it's funny. I I essentially made the same point on our post-game show too, that I, um, coming in, thought, look, we got to see a lot of Brooke Lopez. And we had talked about it when we previewed this series too, that – it's going to be whoever forces their style of play that's going to have a big advantage where the Bucks have that advantage to go big and dominate the paint and the Nets are going to try to pull him off the floor. So whoever wins that tug of war, after seeing the way game one unfolded, uh, we both had the same frame of, of thought in that you got to utilize Brooke more. And, and I was talking about it uh, before the game is again. So we're still doing basically the pep rallies before games, home and road. Um, and who knew what was in, in front of us before the game? But uh, Jim Paschke and I were doing something before the game yesterday, and we were talking about it, and um, we had both kind of said, look, I, I would just force it into Brooke Lopez because you're going to force Brooklyn's hand then. If you can start to get points in the paint, they're going to have to play DeAndre Jordan, that they can't just sacrifice that on the other end. And if that happens, then it's not like Blake Griffin where you have to at least respect the outside shot, that it's a total non-factor on offense. So if you can do that, that's going to be a big advantage. And and we just completely saw them go away from it. And you saw how everything else unfolded. And again, the fact that they're not switching, I started to, to drift closer and closer as the game went on to that last point you made of, if you're not going to do this, you just can't play him at all. That it's kind of like dipping your toe in the water when you're on a diet of like, well, I'm, I'm only going to be on this diet for three days a week and the other four days I'm going to eat unhealthy. Either you're going to be fat or you're going to be healthy. Do one of the two. And that's essentially what they're doing with Brooke right now. Yeah, and it's worth noting that in terms of minute loads, it's not like they've been overplaying him. Like he played 27 minutes in game one, 25 in game two. So again, I feel like any type of, and this was kind of Frank's point when I mentioned Brook Lopez yesterday. He said, yeah, I can't really single out Brook. And I agree, no, but it's about the, yeah. the five-man unit on the floor. And I think that we've seen 
you know, it's it's harsh, but I think that we've seen with Bryn Forbes and Bobby Porter so far in this series as well that if they're not scoring, they're not really doing much else. And and you would love Portis to be more of a factor on the glass. Um, he hasn't been. I mean, he picked up two rebounds in 18 minutes in game two. It's simply not good enough when you look at the work that Blake Griffin's doing on the glass and Bruce Brown flying over yeah. the top for putbacks and over the top of Giannis and getting rebounds. They've just been outworked. And and I think we probably, and this is, this is everyone's guilty of this. Certainly, I'm guilty of this. But when I looked at this team and I looked at the offense with Giannis, Brook, Chris, and Drew, I'm like, look, you're going to be able to score against this Brooklyn yeah. team. I did not fathom this type of offensive uh, drought that this team is going through right now. So when then when you looked at the rotation players, you did have Pat Connaughton as an offensive rebounder. That's going to be critical. Dante, again, we spoke about this. Uh, I knew that this was going to be a noticeable blow to this team. It certainly has been so far, just in the rebound in itself and the defensive, the steals, the deflections. They're missing him big time out now as a role player. It's not the type of player you want to look back at a series and say, well, they didn't have Dante DiVincenzo. If they had him, they would have won. No, that's not the case. They were down by 49 freaking points in this game. But from the outset, they've lacked that energy, and Pat and Dante have been those two guys. And I've been a little bit surprised that Pat's played as little as he had, to be quite honest. He played some garbage time in game two there as well. But the the role players from mine, just they're, they're... They've got one facet to their game when you look at Bryn Forbes and Bobby Portis, and so far they haven't been able to deliver, uh, despite the fact you know Bryn Forbes hit a couple of threes yesterday. As we know, those guys are going to be icing when it comes to the scoring. Again, I, I, I'm still looking at the, the stars. The stars have to show up, and Chris yep. Milton so far in this series, 13 for 43, it's not going to cut it. Well, I mean, the the Chris Middleton series, he, is, he has had – this is easily, I mean, I know it's only two games, but you, I think you would agree this is easily the worst series he's had in the postseason that we've seen of him in a Bucks uniform. That, you know, when we look back at his previous playoff runs, he has traditionally been pretty good. I thought against Toronto, people will say Toronto, Justin, but I, I will say that he I was thought okay. that he was, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was impacting the game in other areas. He right. was, uh, you know, do, uh, holding up a, a big defensive job as well. Um, but yeah, this has just been. Bad. But and and to me the thing is look if we just talked about the the issues with Brook Lopez and the way that the Nets are going to play if you're not going to go all in then you're kind of caught in limbo and and where Bruce Brown was especially effective is when he's the screener I mean he's so mobile and if you have Brook Lopez defending him that's where he gets into trouble because Bruce Brown's just going to go right past him and set up easy looks and that's what we started to see there uh, to me though you know we can talk about Chris's issues but. You need more from Drew Holiday. That it, the, he can't take only ten shots, especially when you see Chris start the way that he did, and Giannis not attacking the paint either. That's the moment where you need Drew Holiday to say, "Okay, I'm going to get us these easy twos, and we're going to start to get into rhythm here." He can't be the passive guy that we saw for most of these two games. The funny thing about that is, and I want to talk about this a little bit more, is that he has been one of the only guys that has looked like he's been able to get whatever he wants. Yeah. So it's it's kind of strange that he's only taken those 10 shots. But I reckon if you went on to betonline.ag and looked at the odds right now for this series, uh, it wouldn't be pretty. Uh, or maybe it would be pretty if you're a gambler and you want to get on the box and you think they could win four out of five. But BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is full swing. I had a Brewers tweet yesterday that did pretty well on Twitter. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL. 
UFC, MMA, that fake boxing stuff if you're interested in that. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device. Uh, that's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And... To continue the Drew Holiday conversation that you just touched on before the the break there, uh, Anil Saw says, we need the Drew that lit up Portland a few years ago. We probably shouldn't, but we do. I understand the point that he's making there in terms of a guy that's just going to take over offensively. Probably the strange thing to me, and it's a real shame because we've spoken all season long about he's been the guy that stepped up in big games, and he has. And against these Brooklyn games, he's been taking 20 shots, 20-plus shots. It hasn't been the case in this series. Look, I think on the perimeter, Brooklyn have been pretty good. They've been really scrambling. I think they've worked hard to take away good looks for Bryn Forbes. I think that they've they've made Chris Middleton work for everything that he's taking as well. So it's you always have to give the opposition some credit. But Drew Holiday has been the one guy, as I mentioned, that has been able to use his bulk, use his strength, use his size to get wherever he wants and get really good looks. Now, they haven't always dropped, but I think that the positions that he's worked himself to on the court have been really promising. And I think... That, that that's something that the Bucks need to take advantage of. Before I go back to you, Justin, Jeff uh, wants to jump on the line here and ask a question. So let's see what Jeff's got to say. Hey, guys. So um, I guess I was just wondering, um, you know, kind of along the lines of what, you know, Frank's Game 1 Miami rant about Giannis. Um, <laughs> I kind of, I mean, it was kind of brutal to hear, but I did kind of agree with him when he was saying all that. Um, I'm kind of just wondering what you guys think the – how Giannis kind of takes another step. Um, you know, the gap between KD and him looks pretty big right now. Um, I don't think it's going to come from the jump shot. You know, we've been, he's been working on the jump shot. We've been saying for years, if he can develop a jump shot, I'm just not sure it's going to happen. I feel like it's more um, working on kind of the mental side of it and, you know, really dissecting what the defense is doing and figuring out where their weakness is and really attacking that and getting the team in the best looks possible on offense. Um, You know, he was saying the other day that he doesn't like watching basketball and, um, you know, he just kind of tries to tune it out when he goes home. And I wonder if, like, he he maybe needs to spend a little more time trying to um, you know, just kind of work on that understanding of the game. Um, so just kind of wondering what you guys think about that. I've got thoughts, Justin, but do you want to go? Well, I mean, I, I think that um, the quote that he brings up, I think part of it was, you know, Giannis's way around the question. Yeah, exactly. Because the, the question, that, yeah. yeah, that it was specifically about the next round. And I think it was just, yeah, yeah we're, we've, we're not focused on that right now. Um, I mean, the other stuff that he brought up, and I don't, I don't want to stand on Frank's corner here, but it is, it is valid that um, I think we've all kind of had the same questions of, is it going to be the, the jump shot or the mid-range shot, an outside shot that, that really unlocks him here? Or is the realization that he's a five and he needs to be the five on your team going forward and that's the way that you play and you just have to surround him with perimeter guys that can create their own shot. And they've done a better job of assembling the roster that way with guys like Drew Holiday and we've seen Chris do it at times but I mean to me that's the realization that I've started to come to of 
Right now, his best usage is how we're seeing on this team because he's playing alongside Brooke Lopez. But I think it might be he's going to be best utilized to be the five. And that's the way that you can use him. A five that can play out on the perimeter at times and handle the ball, but he's most effective around the basket. It's really fascinating. And and I we always talk about players that would have been suited to the modern game that were playing basketball 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, the guys, the big guys that can shoot the ball from the outside. That's always the way we look at this. With Giannis, I've kind of looked at it and said, man, he might have been better off if he was playing basketball 15 years ago. Well, and and the re- it's, it's like if you trade him for Chris Webber. They just time right. machine, Chris Webber plays now, and Giannis plays in the 90s, and it would have been a perfect fit for both. And the reason I say that is, and again, Giannis is only 26. So I'm, and from what we've seen from him from the start of his career, I am never, ever going to say that he can't do something. Or that this is it. Yeah. Yeah. But the point that Jeff made about Durant looking on another level is because when you talk about an all round offensive player, he simply is. Yeah. And, And I think that we all would have acknowledged that. I mean, the reason why Giannis is so dominant is because he's so unique, because of what he does on both ends of the floor every single night. And the, the ferocity and the, the aggressiveness that he plays with. I mean, that's why Giannis is a two-time MVP, the consistency, everything about that. That's why we love him, and that's why he's a superstar. But think back, who are the big guys that haven't been able to shoot jump shots that have won a title on their on their own? I, I don't think – I don't know. I mean, I, you'd have to go back. That's just something I'm throwing out there. So the point that I'm saying is that I, I think that we look at Giannis and say, well, why are you shooting those jump shots? I think a big part of it is because – he probably kind of feels like he needs to. Yeah. And you, Giannis is going to get the criticism because he's the best player on this team. And in game one, he was a dominant force. Let's not forget about that. So the problem is that you have to have other guys. And so far through his career, the other guys haven't stepped up and they haven't been close to stepping up. So, mm. yeah, Giannis is going to get the criticism. Yes, we're all going to look at him and say the game two was a, was a poor showing from him. You want him to be more aggressive. You want him to get to the basket and get to his spots. But you know what? It's not a one-man game, and no one's been able to win with one player across the NBA over the last however many years. It's just not been the case. He needs some other guys with him. And I think ultimately, now that he's signed the Supermax and you have the, the roster pieces in place, that's the conversation that it has. And that was always the concerning part leading into the Supermax decision because you're like, okay, well, if – he doesn't sign that and things don't go well. Does he just leave? So that, that's why I'm, a, I'm not as stressed out about, you know, is Giannis ever going to be that guy like Frank is or, or perhaps like yeah. Jeff is suggesting? I'm not in that boat. Like I'm not stressed out about that. But I think it's also okay to understand the limitations and then also understand why he's trying to extend his range and improve his game. And he's still only 26. And that's something that we always forget as well. So, I mean, it's not full you know, I'm not jumping off Giannis. I'm not saying that he can't do this or can't do anything because he's simply proven everyone wrong for the second he came into the NBA. But right now, yeah, we're seeing the limitations. And when you see him go up against a guy like Kevin Durant, there's probably no one that's going to make those deficiencies look even worse than what they are. Like, that's what Kevin Durant is. The guy's an absolute alien. Justin Wills uh, just commented and said, I can't jump on, but with uh, neither of the games being close, you have to imagine there will be a significant adjustment going into Game Three. What are some of bigger that? What are some of the bigger adjustments that you think are realistic under Budenholzer? I, I and we can wrap it up on this point because we've still got a day tomorrow. I'm doing another crossover episode with Locked On Nets. I, I don't know what type of mood they're going to be in. Probably a good one. Hopefully, it's not a bad experience for me. But I think that the adjustments 
are not too difficult here. So they've got a decision to make for mine. Are they going to take advantage of the size or are they going to go small? You just referenced Giannis playing at the five. Is that an yeah. option that they go to? And then offensively, they really did go to sort of that, that five-out offense, it felt like, for a lot of the game yesterday and tried to manufacture space that wasn't really there. So I think that we've still seen success, even in game two at times, when they run pick-and-rolls. And not necessarily a pick-and-roll at the top, but a pick-and-roll on the wing, a pick-and-roll on the side of the floor. They've been able to generate space that way. So I don't think that it's that hard. If you watched the game yesterday and thought that the Bucks tapped out all their options offensively, then I don't know what you're watching. It shouldn't be hard for this team to generate more offense. I'm going to keep saying that. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I guess it, it, let's be let's be positive here and look for some optimism. You would assume role players are going to play better at home than they would on the road. So, yeah. like Bobby Portis specifically, I think as 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 you pointed to as well, has really struggled in the series. So, being in front of the home crowd and playing in Pfizer Forum, hopefully that means you can get more of that mid range game and the three pointers from Bobby Portis because if if he's not going to score it doesn't really warrant any playing time in this series for him. So my reasons for optimism are the role players like Bobby Portis and Bryn Forbes. I would expect better games and not that Bryn was terrible, but I would expect better games from them when they're playing at home versus on the road. Um, I mean, I don't know about, I was going to say, I would assume you have to attack the interior, but we've been saying that for two games now and we haven't seen it. So I'm not going to assume there's any drastic changes that are made. I think the the most reasonable expectation you can have is the role player factor and that this team just plays very well at home. Defensively, I've got to assume you've had two days off and you you have a chance to practice. I mean, there's a lot. And to me, that's where it starts. As bad as the offense has been, the defense is it's flying under the radar just because of how good this Brooklyn Nets offense is. And again, Kevin Durant is is really just putting the flag down that he's the best player in the league right now with the way he's playing in this series. But the Bucks have done nothing to slow them down, and the defense has been horrendous in this series that they have made it very easy for Brooklyn. And when they're as good as they are offensively, you just can't give them those extra advantages. So to me, it comes down to the defense and how they make things more difficult. And I think we've seen the personnel, maybe it's not quite as – as, as well-equipped to switch as we thought it was during the regular season. But two games in, I think the initial plan just has to go by the wayside, and you do have to embrace more switching. And if that means Brooke Lopez plays fewer minutes, then so be it. Until you can get in the win column in this series, you're going to have to do those types of things. And I'll be curious to see as well, that last point, if we do see any of those minutes where it's Giannis at the five and PJ at the four, I wouldn't do that as, and I know some people would drift to this of, well, would you do that as your starting lineup and maybe Brent Forbes goes in there? I wouldn't. I would keep it with the same starting five if that's what you're doing because to me too, when you make those those shifts in the starting lineup, it just, it screams panic of, well, we can't think of anything else to do, so here's what we're going to do. And sometimes it pays off and we've seen that on the Bucks end. Um, but I would just keep it as is and try to get that advantage in the paint because you're letting Brooklyn off the hook with the way that you're not attacking there and you're settling for contested mid-range jumpers when that's not the personnel of this team. And that previous point as well of if you do this and you get back to the 70-plus in the paint and just make it a layup line, they can't keep conceding easy baskets. As good as their offense is, they can't just say, okay, 
we're going to give them whatever they want. They're going to have to have the conversation of, do we have to bring in DeAndre Jordan in this series? And if that happens, that's a big win for the Bucks. I'm going to say this again, and I know it's a very unpopular take, and it's fine. I've been running with this for a, a while now. I would just start Pat Connaught and, and I would put Chris Milton on Durant. I, I, I yeah. think I, I would be I think, fine with that. My my uh, my bigger thing was just I wouldn't shift the starting lineup drastically. That we talked about it before the series. I would prefer PJ coming off the bench and being that extra guy to kind of stagger the minutes. But if he's in there, fine. Pat Connaughton, I'm fine with as well. I wouldn't shift Brooke Lopez out of there, and I wouldn't put Bryn Forbes in there. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think I've seen enough. On, from PJ Tucker on Kevin Durant to know that he's not really making him uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, I would go to Milton from the start, start Pat and say, Pat, listen, your job is to to rebound and your job is to be physical. You're not going to play probably 30, 35 minutes. So you've got six fouls. Look, Brooklyn haven't been living on the foul line. I'm moving Brook Lopez up closer to the perimeter. And I'm saying, listen, we're going to live with it. And if they get a few more baskets in the paint, then so be it. But to this point, we can't be letting them shoot practice jump shots. And again, I don't think that there's a team that asks more questions in this Brooklyn team. And give them credit. The way they move the ball is spectacular. And, and they put you in situations where they make you look silly. But uh, I don't know. I mean, ultimately... I think you can have a stellar defensive performance and Brooklyn are still going to score a whole bunch of points. So again, Bucks do something on offense in terms of Anil Saw said, what can we see to see whether this team is, is changed or something is looking positive attacking the paint, getting Giannis going downhill, putting him in, sc- in screen and roll actions, not necessarily from the top, but in different situations in the perimeter on this side and, and moving the ball. That's what we saw. We didn't see in game two. And it was very obvious that the Bucks were going to just try and isolate and jump shoot their way out of it. And that's not their game. They're going to get back to the way they've played. They've been an awesome offense all season long. They're running out of time. It's got to be game three. Well, in uh, what, like 35% of their field goals were assisted to? I mean, that's the other thing. you got to see that closer to 60% in this series. All right. We'll wrap it up there. Thanks to all you guys, as always, for jumping in the chat. Uh, there's been a bunch of people in in there today and it's always a lot of fun i always say this i know it's a little bit difficult with timing for a lot of those guys and and for for, for most people guys and girls they, they have a routine when they listen to locked on bucks so i certainly appreciate it doesn't work out for everyone but more the merrier and if this series is still going next week <laughs> we're going to have another live podcast let's damn well hope that we have an opportunity to have one and we're not just uh, looking ahead to the off season by this time next week but for justin and myself we thank you all again for joining us And we'll be back tomorrow.